Sorry we're a little late, but things happen. And thankfully, you are all waiting for me to turn on the machine. And one thing I've learned about podcasting and running a show, it's about consistency and good consistency. A lot of news is happening around the world. A lot of festivals are going on right now. I will be going out to tour in July overseas, and I'll be mentioning dates shortly as to where I'm going to be and all that fun stuff. But um, I want to explain a little something about True House Stories. We'll be in July third year coming into this, three years, okay? And it's been remarkable to get all these stories in electronic music and dance. Also, I want to make sure everybody realizes this most important part about when we say true house stories and house. The reason why this was started wasn't considered just a house music show, even though I make house music, disco and all that stuff and had many great house performers and artists and DJs and programmers and promoters and tell and share their stories with us. I decided the reason why it was called True House, this is the most important part, is because when we started, we were working in a isolated COVID environment. Okay. And the way to bring people entertainment was let's go knock on their home door, knock, 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 and invite them in. And through this show, we've been able to get so many wonderful guests, big, huge guests, some underground guests, some guests that maybe you didn't really know, but man, what a great story afterwards. Record label owners like Tom Silverman from Tommy Boy Records. How incredible was that? If you never saw that story, go back and look. Tom Silverman with hip hop dance, disco, okay? And the reason why I'm explaining this is because I wanted to take the show to another direction. You hear me? I wanted to let you all meet someone that we revere as a major force and a power in, our, in this game, okay? So here we go. Welcome to True House Stories. I am Lenny Fontana coming out of New York City. And this week, we take our lens overseas to the UK, to a place in the 80s and 90s, had the golden era of dance and all kinds of dance music. A lot of things happened. A lot of things were going on. Revolt against the queen, a backlash. You know, you had things where you had massive raves going on. Um, and none of this stuff was... A lot of it wasn't legitimate, meaning things just popped up. Raves just happened, you know, and all kinds of crazy things were developing. Music styles came out of that organic force called raving. In the UK, that was a lifestyle. People would call a phone number to find out where the rave was. Imagine that back then because there was no social media Okay, at that time, social media was word of mouth. People spread the word through record shops and stuff like that. And people were saying, hey, you know what? 
Um, I went to this great gaff the other day that had a fantastic party and it was full on. And I saw these DJs. They didn't even realize the name of the DJs yet. They didn't even realize the movement they were getting involved in. They didn't even realize they were creating history. Right. You're living in the history because you're making the history. At the time when you're living in it, you don't think it's historic. You just think it's it's just the way oh, everybody's doing this. But not everybody was doing it. One man changes this game totally and by an unfortunate accident of breaking his leg. And in the late 80s, around 89. And because of that, forces him to learn to produce with a computer, an Atari computer that we all used back in the day. I had one too, a 1040 STE. Some guys use Cubase on there. Some guys use a program called, and I know this, Master Tracks Pro, because I produced a crap load of records with that myself. So a lot of us were using that archaic computer, but for what it was, it was the poor man's rich way of producing music. And some of us would borrow gear from others to bring things together. And with this gentleman I'm getting ready to bring up, you're going to meet in a second. Not only did he learn because of the unfortunate accident on the island of Ibiza. I say it correctly, Ibiza. He changed and created a movement. You hear me? A movement. A movement that stuck and became commercially viable and this is called jungle with no further ado enough of my nonsense and talking all this i'm bringing up the man himself paul abiza yes sir thank you for having me yeah thank you for having me thank you for having me sir he's got a soulful house brother younger brother who sings brian chambers look that up too so this is a musical family right here. That's right. I got an older brother. You got to know. You might know him called Top Buzz. Jason Top Buzz Mad Pete. Yeah. Yeah. So you got to know. That's my older brother now. Lord, and so that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. That's right. So first of all, where did we catch you? Are you in Ibiza or in the UK at the moment? I'm up right now. I'm at my place in London, uh, North London. Um, there, if you the, the famous Arsenal <laughs> next door to Arsenal, down the road, literally down the road from Arsenal. How did you feel about West Ham winning? You know what? Being a Londoner and London Olympics is not far from where I am as well. It's like it's, it's all it's all good. It's a London thing, so it's all good. Good, it's all good. It's I all see good. all the English compadres screaming, "Hey, we finally won something!" We won something. Yeah, we're gonna scream about it. yeah. Finally, won something. something. Yeah, so, Man- Manchester City won the the triple. You know, they're they're up they're up north. They're way away. That they are far away from us. Yep, yep. And I'll tell you, it's wonderful to have something, especially when you support a club like that for so many years. And it's blood, sweat, and tears to see your club. See, I'm a Yankee fan in, in okay. New York. So Yankees are known for, for winning championships. But yeah, right. Gotcha. Have, gotcha. It's like it's like the you know, Liverpool, like those big big teams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, our owner our owner obviously owns Rams, Rams, 
Yeah, Rams, one of the American football team called yeah, Rams. Right. Yeah, and also I heard that he won the we won some basketball tournament as well. I forgot the name of the the team that the, our manager owns, the Conkeys. I wonder, I don't know who the who they own, but yeah, I heard that we won some. But so yeah, we got a good good manager, a good uh, owner. Somebody yeah. already answered the Nuggets. The nuggets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Spend some money our way. That's <laughs> it. So before I know you got a lot to say. Um, okay. We want to get right into it because you got a lot to tell us about your life. And and it's really be cool to hear this from you, especially how this all came together. How does music find you as a younger, before this whole thing happened with the jungle scene and that stuff, in the younger days? Well, 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 being uh, come from a West Indian background, um, and my, my, my father, who come from Jamaica, and uh, we had a small community in Tottenham and Fringy Park at the time. And my dad had a sound system, so that's where the music sort of bled into the into the family, I suppose, true to true to the old man. I mean, my father, who had a sound system called Billy the Clown. So that's where I got my music, my music influence from, through my father. Okay. So you from there, um, I guess you're in. Would you call middle school and high school? Years. Okay, well, that was that was the. I mean, that was the that was the early part because my dad again going back to my father. We had a, in back in London in the early days in the early sixties. Could be in the early fifties too, because I was born in sixty five. So it could be in the fifties when my dad was actually doing his thing. I met my mum. They was running a thing called blues dance. I don't know if you know. I don't know if you heard of a thing called blues. Blues dance is an Irish drink. It's a. It's a that I found out the name blues dance. It's an Irish illegal drinking den. Oh really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's, 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 that's where that terminology came from. I, okay. you know, we call it Shabin. Some people call it Shabin. Some call it blues dance. But it, when in London, that's how the black community was earning their money at that particular time, putting on their own events, our so own parties at that your particular accent, time. Your accent, of course, I can hear the London accent, but that's I also right. hear the Caribbean accent. Will you actually? Well, I'm from Jamaica. I, I'm a Jamaican. I'm Jamaican, born in England, but raised by my grandparents. Because you got that, you got that eerie sound, eerie. Yeah, I got that London sound because I'm a Londoner. Also, I got that Jamaican still sound. Eerie, still hear the Jamaican eerie sound mixed with <laughs> you it. Man, you man, it's there, it's there, it's there, it's there. I sit there, <laughs> sit there, it's there, man. Well, like, <laughs> of course, I don't use it, but yeah, it did it, it did it, it did it, it did it. Okay, so you're so you're guilty as charged. I caught it. Okay. Yeah, you caught it. You caught me. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. The only way I can tell you is is because how I know that is is because I've been going so long to England and especially London. You know, east, west, north, and south. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, North London, where I am based, I'm based in North Tottenham. You might have heard of Tottenham. Yeah. Um, uh, so we're on the north side, you've got South London, that's Brixton, and so you know, the, the two black areas, Brixton, or if you come over north, you'd be in Tottenham, or, or you might go East London, like, like you know, West Ham are. So, this is the sort of north or south, that's it, <laughs> that's it. There ain't no more, there ain't no well. You got West London, of course, you've got the Grove, Labrick Grove, the Notting Hill Carnival, as you all know, the biggest European party, and then also you've got uh. What else? West London. No, that's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. East London, North, South and West. That's it. That's it. Awesome. Okay. So now I understand you guys were gin running. So, yes. So, yeah. So yeah. at that time when your mom and dad were doing that was, 
I call it legal at all, or, or is it? Well, it was. It, that's how we. That's how the. I mean, you understand when they when we came from the Caribbean at that particular time, there was no clubs for us. There was no black clubs at such playing black music. So you you have to do your own entertainment. You have to organize your own sort of parties, and uh, that's what my father did, and that's what my grandfather did as well. They actually organized their own coach trips to a place called Margate organized their own for the black community because when we first came here at that particular time we had problems like no no irish i remember we had to you know rent homes or find a house to live when they first come here and it was dark and gloomy according to my what my parents are saying dark and gloomy and uh, there was no irish no blacks and that's how they have to sort of come a close knit so north london had its knit and so did south london brixton had its sort of close knit so we kept it tight and Big that's difference. how these parties came about. And that's, see, I always say that's such an important thing because the reason why things worked in New York so well is right. because you had a melting pot of different cultures. Right, right. right. I, I hate it when it's one way because it's kind right, of right. boring. Well, it was one way. It was one way. England was because they made it that way. They, yeah. they, they made it uh, clear as plain as day like we don't want to mix with you we don't like you so we need to stay over here keep ourselves to ourselves and they will stay over there keep themselves to themselves over there it's the music the music the imports what start coming from your neck of the woods start coming over and then we start hearing black music from a different source I remember I was just hearing reggae 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 and reggae nothing but reggae in my household there was no other music played in my house until I started going to school and uh Obviously, you're growing up now, you know, oh, I don't want to hear no more reggae. I've heard it all, all, all right through. I'm not, I'm not, as we, there's a word we use. I'm not dissing my culture because I come, that's me. No, that's, of course not. Growing up that. But I just wanted something different at the time. And I, I'm a dancing sort of person. So I like to listen to other music. And now I started hearing soul music and things coming from America, like the are proud to be black. And this soul revolution started coming over from 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 a New York, and that's what James Brown. So I, I discovered James Brown because remember there was no telly. <laughs> I discovered James Brown, the funk, and yeah, man, this is us, man, this is us. And I got into, but I didn't get into hip hop for some reason. But I got into the funk, but I didn't yes. get into the hip hop. So you can actually relate because it's actually one of you could say one of us. Yes, yes. you know. Yes, one yeah, of yeah, us. yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, of course. You gotta remember, uh, Cassius Clay or Ahmed Ali at the time. We looked at him as an idol. Um, Pele at the time, because you understand over here was racist. Re a lot of you don't realize England was very, very, very racist. It's just this big blunt to the point, but we had to work with it. And uh, so, obviously, when we saw, you know, when we first had a telly in our house, a black and white telly, first black person we saw was Ahmed Ali as a, bo as a boxer, and then we saw Pele as a footballer. So we sort of got drawn to these these, these, these characters, of, 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 if you understand what I'm saying. So you felt we felt, yeah, we felt we felt be good. And then when the music coming along, because we always had Bob Marley and other bits and pieces, but when James Brown came along and that funky and that different sort of soul music, we said, yeah, man, this is, this is good, man. I love this. And that's what got me into the soul music. No, and that's important. You know, I tell Yeah, people, of course, of course, of course. Very important. Very cool. Those are idols that gave you strength, gave you hope. Yes, that's right. That's gave right. The thing that we can break out of this. Yes, this, 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 this great pot. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I believe so. I believe so. And, and 
so when when this soul music came along and we started venturing out going to these parties and seeing how other people live and it broke down so it broke down bad because not only us were going to these soul parties white people was going to the soul parties so we're seeing whites and we're seeing blacks under one roof never seen it before only time i saw that was at school you only see that school but at, but at school you still go back to your black community you don't go to a white you go back to the black you go to school then go back to your black community. Go back to the black community. That's that, a, that was, was happening. So that was what, my next question. That was yeah. the next question. At that time, was it allowed for the for people to assemble under one roof that way? That's and right. Were, were they allowed to do that, black and white, or, or was there a see like here in the south? And that same time when you mentioned Cassius Clay, yeah, um, you had the thing called the Chitlin Circuit. That's right. That's right. That's right. I heard about that. Yes, that's right. So, that's right. So that meant is those are black establishments for black people. Then they had white clubs. Yeah. They didn't have intermingling. And if no, 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 what's happening when it comes to RIP to George Power, RIP to George Power, George Power. Remember, there was uh, like I said, there was a lot of reggae music, but when the black soul music came along. It was only little places here and there. You hear it, but you never heard it on the in the in the big clubs. You never heard it in big clubs. You only heard it on I don't know uh, someone's cassette, not a radio at the time. Mainly a cassette being played. Well, someone brought the stuff from America on a cassette. We hear it for the first time and go, "That is wicked." And go to a shop here, import. Someone got a couple of imports coming in, and you go, "What's this?" He goes, "Oh, this is James Brown." Or you that was it. George Power, rest his soul, the founder of Kiss FM. Right. He's the founder of Kiss FM. He's the one that bought Paul Anderson as well. He's the one that knows Bobby and Steve. He's the one that knows Tony. He's he's the main man. He brought black music into the West End. He was the first black club to play black music in the Wickers called Crackers. And that's when that's when a lot of the blacks now said, we got a club in the West End. But you know the funny thing about that club? You only done it in the daytime. It was never at night, not evening time. So... Half of you go to school or half of us at work. <laughs> so we used to sneak up at work or sneak out the door or from school, don't go to school and go to this club in the I was too young. I am I was I'm the I'm the, you know, that was the, for the older generation. I was too young then. I was still like infant school. I couldn't even leave then. So I'm talking about the next generation above me. They went to that school, um, crackers. 100 club down in, in, in Office Circuit. It's a big bit like your I would say like your Manhattan. We, it's like us going to the West End in, you know, the uptown sort of thing. And, yeah, and like Times uptown. Square. Like Times yeah. Square. Yeah, like Times Square. Yeah. But like, 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 yeah, that's right. That's right. Like Times Square. And it's like going into the West End, have a black club in the West End playing black music. Wasn't heard of. It was not heard of. So when we went there and it's all, everybody getting mixed, black men and white girls or whatever, all having fun and never, it was, it was like it broke, broke barriers, broke down barriers. Broke down enough barriers. Let me clarify for you. George Power was a white dude. I remember. Yes, him. he was. He was. <laughs> like, what was it? It, was, it was actually a Greek guy. Actually Greek. Yeah. yeah. It was a Greek guy. And, and he lived and he was he was into black music. That's all he played, black music. From 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 New York to he brought the soul. He brought the soul. He brought the whole and then he started running clubs. After that, he had a thing called Electric Ballroom down in um, Camden. Yeah, and then he formed. Then he, after that, he he set up um, Kiss FM, uh, uh, playing uh, Kiss FM, playing black music. And then he discovered Paul Anderson and Bobby and Steve as well. The whole, the whole. That's why Kiss FM is powerful. That he sold 
uh, Kiss FM to a guy called Gordon Mack. And Gordon Mack sold Kiss as he read today, and now he's running My Soul, and that's the history of Kiss FM. The right. black that's the first black radio station in North London playing black music before the reggae. I mean, a lot of the reggae stations were there as well. I had RJR, uh, still got some of the like Fat Man, no Fat Man International. He had a station playing black music on the radio station. There was a lot of pirate radio stations, but they were like playing reggae, only reggae. But this one actually was playing soul and funk, and it was completely different. And those pirate stations only had certain amount of streets, like the the, the strength of the, Bam, the bandwidth, the bandwidth, the bandwidth. bandwidth. Yeah, also, the power. Yeah. See, they had to keep it under like the most. They will probably get 150 watt to 250. If you go any any more power than that, then the, uh, we've got a thing called DTI. They'll come and shut you down because you're now you're, you're getting too big. You're broadcasting so over 50 mile radius or 100 mile radius, you know, you're getting too, you're, you're going too far, you're becoming like the big boys, they're not paying no money for it, so they say, no, we don't mind you keeping the 50 mile radius as a community radio, but anyhow, you go any further than that, we're there, we're classy with something else, so that's, Jules kept it in, in, the, in the London area, a community thing, and yeah, it worked out fine. So, so let me, let me just say this though, to everyone listening. Okay. Uh, imagine that, guys, all of us American DJs are coming over, being invited to do these guest radio shows at someone's right. gaff, right? And it's right. a pirate station, girls. The pirate station, that's right. Right. And you would ask the question, well, where's the area? Well, that's at another location. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, what I, that's what I, on, on, on a tower block far away. You've got a link box. Right. You've got, you got a link box where we are actually, where we are in the studio, but the, the area itself is... It's way over there, something another two five miles away. Just <laughs> in case, just in case, BPI comes to nick it, and that yes. happens a lot. That happens. Yeah, a lot. yeah, all, all the gangs, all the other other, other rivals who actually was that they ain't got no money. They want to get an aerial or a rig. They nick your rig. That's why we have to hide it down the lift shafts and 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 bolt them in flats. Oh, that's another story on its own. <laughs> Talking about the fight radios, it's another story on its own. But we, we we have to touch on it because it all it all yes you have to, it plays it, a big part it all falls into where you yes it, the, the pirate radios play the big part from because it was the pirate radios would drive the whole rave scene the rave culture the rave we're gonna we're gonna lead into that because at the early part like I said in the early eighties and it was like it was all the soul radios all the pirate radio was soul there were black radios but there were soul radio there was no acid house part there was nothing it was just strictly. Uh, soul music being played on the pirate radio, so like Steve Walsh. Have you heard of Steve Walsh, Tony Blackburn, Frogger? These are the soul DJs. Yeah, I remember Tony Blackburn. In, in, in early, the early, they went to America bringing the soul music from Chicago, put all that American stuff over, and that's how we got to hear it because we didn't know. And then you got and they Luxembourg, remember that? I don't know if you heard about yeah, it. Radio Station on the sea, on the sea, they were on the sea, they were the first sort of legal but not legal but really powerful playing black music. On the sea, they they had it on the sea, and they couldn't get raided because they were out there on the, actually on the sea, Luxembourg broadcasting the whole of Europe, basically. And they were that, but I remember it back in the day. So that was a good thing. So they got raided because black music was now being heard, and more, 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 more people wanted to hear more of this soul stuff, more of this black music. They wanted to hear it, more, wanted to hear more of it, wanted to hear more of it, and it just grew, grew. So not only just London, it moved to Manchester, Birmingham. It just spread like wildfire. Out of the early '80s, soul music, and to, and then that was, yeah, that was a good, that was a good time. I was young, 
young myself, just learning the trade at the time. I was very, 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 very young. So I'm just learning the whole, the whole tra- coming out of reggae, going into soul, it's a complete new, new ball game. <laughs> right. And, and okay, so give us the landscape. Right. Who do you learn this art from? Like, you know, like. Okay. Well, I tell you what it is. It's a mixture of my dad and a mixture of George. Because I learned the soul thing, had the soul thing operate. Because not only did I just go there and party or dance, I got I started to know the security, started to get to know George, started to hang around more. I didn't get involved in actually dancing. I more got involved with the business side of things. So I was like helping George get in pirate. You know, finding he said, "Paul, can you get me any sort of like flats so we can have the the studio in?" So I had to go and been being a young guy in North London. Yeah, I got. Place you can put the studio in, and you need people to climb up on the roof. So you need to go up and climb up the roof and set up the radio station. So we were doing all the donkey work because George was a big man. I'm not doing none of that. So we would do all the donkey work because we were fascinated by it, all. and it was something that we was learning. So yeah, I done a lot of my learn my trade through George and through my dad. And saying that, I done my first party at fourteen, uh, youth club. Okay. Right, with my mum and dad. I didn't know what I said. Look, this soul thing, dad. My dad's going, but they're what's this soul thing all about? Yeah, soul better than you doing your reggae dance. You keep doing your reggae dance, dad. I'm going to show you how this soul dance. I had this sound, a soul, a, a sound system called Soul to Soul. No, Soul to Soul. Uh, we Love Soul back in the days. And um, no, Soul Shuttle, that was the name of the sound. Soul Shuttle. And then we hired them from my youth club. Had him in there and we packed it out. My dad, my mum was round the bar and my dad was the doorman. <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> I don't know what a family affair. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was a family affair. It was, it was. And my dad taught me everything because what he did, he showed me his drinks, man, where he got drinks from. So I went to my dad, got the drinks and he showed me that. And then that's how I grew up with that at 14, 15, 16. When I stepped, when I left, when I got to like, 70, I left school early. I didn't care. I just left school early. I didn't do no exams. I went out and did no exams. I just left. Because I see this this thing happening, this this movement of mo- making music and making money from these things. So I'm now go- I'm taking my dad's blues dance to now a thing called house parties. Now we're getting houses now and converting them into ha- parties, painting them black, putting lights in them, and converting these blues dance houses, still the same house, but now it's a soul party house. Still they're playing reggae, but now we're playing soul. So you convert the houses and made them into disco, into basically... Yeah, disco, yeah. That's like, what the word... Well, yeah, yeah that's right. Them into, into, but better than the blues dance. A bit more uptown, sort of. And painting them black sometimes, put a bit of lights in there. We do a little bit, we jazz up the house a bit. Not like just go in there and, and put a big sound system in there. And got on with it. <laughs> just got on with it. Did you have problems from the, from the council, the police in those areas? Well, that didn't happen to... That that didn't happen to us to... I mean, we got away with murders and being in London. Yeah, they didn't really bother us, especially in the ghetto. They never came... That we didn't get raided, never been raided. Police never come. They come, have a good... Uh, they see all of us, there's too many of us. They'll just say, have a good night, and they'll go about their business. It's only when it got they realised what we was doing that the council came up with this new law that compensate our sound systems or that they, they can stop stop the sound but that was even that only came later on down the line it's we still can have house parts to this day so it wasn't really a problem to be honest with you it went on it wasn't a problem later on down it became a problem but nah them times it wasn't a problem because they didn't know what was going on they thought it was a private party and they just leave it alone and got on with it so they didn't bother us 
It never bothered us at all. No, because no. there was no fighting and stuff like no, that. No, no, no. It was no peace and love. All peace, all love, no fighting, no it's cracking on. So, you know, that's what I was saying to you earlier, earlier on, it was like you've seen the black black and white. So when the police came, they saw black and white. They've never seen it before. They, they didn't trouble it because they didn't know what it was. Was so they thought, you know what? I see white people there. I see black people there. I leave it, and they went about their business. They didn't bother us. Good. That's the way it no, should. That went. That went right on right through the eighties. No, no problems through the eighties. Okay, so you're going through the eighties and you and you and you I'm learning my trade. Learning my trade. And then what happened, what happened was, and then, oh yeah, the riot happened. We have got to touch a little bit on the riot, and then talk oh. about the riot. The right happened in 1986, and that's part of my family. I mean, Mrs. Jarrett is my stepmom. So I'm part of it. I'm part of the history of the right. I don't like talking about it, but have to talk about it because that's part of it. So when the right happened in 1960, with the police killed my stepmom and, you know, the whole reason, they actually locked the whole city down. Same like, yo, they locked the area down. The police locked the area down. We couldn't move. The blacks couldn't move. Nobody could move. It was very hard to move around. They had to, <laughs> the whole place was on the lockdown. And um, we needed an escape, man. We, we needed to get out of this, this Tottenham because it was on a lockdown. And uh, we started to sneak out, man. God, 19, it started in 1980. The right happened in 86. We had the lockdown right up to 87. And somehow we found some club in 1988. Right. In, down, down in Charing Cross Road, some little dingy little club, playing a little bit of some music we've never heard in our lives called Acid House. And we're in there, hearing his name. It's like an escape. <laughs> getting away from Tottenham and getting away from all that. It's like, wow, this is an escape. And that's how I discovered Acid House music. Paul, but when you say, when you say you guys were locked down, was it, what, do, can you categorize it? You know, here in America, we have this thing called martial law. Yeah, yeah same thing. Same thing, but they, they, don't, same thing, but they don't they don't say nothing in the, the new the social the, the newspapers or the papers. Yes, but in the community itself, we felt the pinch. I.e., everything couldn't move, drugs, rock and roll, nothing could move. It was on a completely locked. <laughs> we couldn't move without like everybody around me, everybody, people around me that I knew were getting nicked. You no, know, we getting arrested at the word we use. We get we say nick but Terminology. They were getting arrested. Everybody around us, young, were getting arrested. Oh, John just got arrested, or Peter just got arrested. Everybody was just getting arrested. Being black, if you're black, and their father, because you was in the riot, so you're getting nicked. So that was happening to all of us in Tottenham. On what grounds were they arresting you? That's because they believed that we was in the riot. If you're in Tottenham, you must have been in the riot. Oh, so they just said, hey, wait a minute. You must have been there. You yeah. were under arrest. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's how it was. Every door was in every... How long did this go on for? This went on for about a year, two years. Oh, so basically, okay, so the riot happened... In 1986, 85-86, yeah. Then they did reconnaissance, going around... Yeah, after, you. after, yes. And you can remember that after that year, that just went on for about two years. So every bit was on a lockdown. You couldn't move. Remember, the, the black community couldn't move. It was like tight. We couldn't move. So we was we got to find a way out. So man, found, well, I found a way out. And there was no blues dance. There was nothing. They, they locked down everything. Well, yeah, having no more. Okay, now I understand. Now I'm trying to paint. I understand the picture now. So if you even right. put a party on in that area, clamp shut down. Shut clamp down. down. Clamped, right? Clamped. Clamped down. Now, you know, you, you, you look, I'm not having nothing. Wait, gotta... <laughs> wait, 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 wait. They bring, they bring that truck. We used to call it, what the hell is that truck? Where they put everybody inside. The bricks, uh, 
Um, Wait, what's your, I mean, we call it meat wagon over here. Yeah, the meat wagon, right. So, yeah, <laughs> a meat wagon over here back then. <laughs> the meat wagon's coming. Everybody going into the yeah, meat wagon. Yo, two streets away, the meat wagon. The meat wagon. <laughs> okay, so now I understand. I need mean, to understand. Okay, so now, okay, now I see what you're saying, how you escaped Totem. So, so where did you go for this acid house thing? Where well, was this, first, this first acid house music was in a place down in like Charing Cross. Um, um, I mean, it was a club called uh, they called it the Trip. It, they called it the Trip, but it was really the acid house down in um, uh, what's the place? Heavens, Charing Cross in Heaven. Then oh, in okay, yeah, yeah, down in back, still there to this day. Down in Embankment, call it a little couple in Spectrum. It wasn't big, a small little tiny little thing. Playing some acid, that was it. That was the first that started to sneak out, leak out. People saying, "Yeah, but this new club, this acid thing, what acid thing," and you know, it happened to be down in the West End. And then I'm gonna give you a story. I went to we had a local club called the Cotton, so we done at our local club in Cotton, and there's a young guy called Duffy. I never forget him, bless him. And he came into the club, but he was dancing completely different. <laughs> you know, like most people would dance, you know, they've got you got a normal way of dancing. But he came in dancing, white dude, by the way, he was a white dude. And he came dancing, waving his hands, dancing different. I said, big man, you know, we said to, I said to him, what are you on? Are you on drugs or something? Because <laughs> the way you're behaving, you must be on something. You, you go, that's when he said, ecstasy is not landing. He goes, what are you talking about? What, what are you talking about? Oh, ecstasy, man. This new drug called ecstasy. Ah, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah, and right, he, exactly, because nobody knew what that was yet. That's right. Who knew what ecstasy was? So when he went ecstasy and, and everyone was still snorting, you know, snorting Charlie or drinking ah, champagne so or, 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 drinking, or, or drinking or drinking, you know, or smoking marijuana, but as far as it went. But when this came with ecstasy, and he's saying, yeah, this is a new drug. You dance for eight hours and blah, 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 blah. And I said to myself, bloody hell, it must be, it must be better than this. So, you know, he goes, yeah, where do you go with, you know? So we started talking about it. And suddenly, someone said, they're feeling the West End called The Trip. Go there. It's, it's kicking off in this place called The Trip. So I decided to go there by myself. Not that's how I'm, I'm gonna get out. I, I need to get away from North London, so I went to the trip and uh, <laughs> never, I never turned back. <laughs> acid that's when I first heard acid. How Pete Tong, Pete Tong was playing, them sort of DJs were playing Pete, uh, Pete Tong, Nicky Holloway, all the big boy DJs that you might know in the house scene. They were actually playing this acid house music, acid, and people dancing a different way. And like, same, like, same way, how I did, same, same way I saw. Um, when I saw uh, Duffy came into the club at the Cotton Club, the same way I see at the, the club trip, they were dancing in a, in a in a in a different way and shouting out acid. And the to be honest, the DJs were gods. Not back there, the DJs weren't gods. They were just the, 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 the entertainer. But these DJs, the punters look at them as gods. They were praising them. They're acid. It was like, what the hell is this? I went for a trip about about a year. Didn't tell nobody, just kept on going. <laughs> kept on going, 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 following the, what was going on. And then I got into it. Then I started taking the ease. And I got into it. Then I started partying for a whole year with them. And I was on the road. I was doing this. I was doing that. It was it was an eye-opening. And not only that, it made me mingle. Because remember, I come from Tottenham. We did it. We hardly mingled. So we, I really did mingle. 
with a lot of white people more than anything. I mingled, went here, done this, done that, went party, done motorways, did this, that. You see this rave? You see, I'm going to explain something to you now. You said something earlier, the rave. We bought the rave, the name rave into the game because there was, it was, it used to call all night parties. Right. There were there was not called raves. They were called all night parties. It's when the black black boys, or like me myself, a guy called Jarvis, a guy called uh, you got, these are the guys that you don't know. A guy called Jarvis, a guy called uh, Dave Roberts, Wayne Anthony, who done the book of eighty. Uh, you got get his book, a very good book, Genesis of eighty eight or Summer of eighty eight. These are the black guys above me, slightly above me. They were on it from long time and changed name. Yeah, we're going raving. What, what raving? What, what rave? And then that's what when the rave. That, right? What is that word? Everybody say rave. What yeah, rave. It came into, but it, it came from the Caribbean. The rave came from the Caribbean. So rave, my mum used to say when she came. My dad used to say these things, and they didn't come from. The, I didn't learn that from. I never learned that from the streets. I learned it in my own household. My mum said, "I'm going raving tonight with dad," and I'm, I'm well, I'm about seven, eight. So I've heard it. It was a community. It was a black. It's from the black community, and somehow it spilled over into into the rave game. And I now we call our we don't call our the blacks don't call it raves anymore. We call it uh, we call it now um, dancehall. The change the name. The name completely changed from rave to dancehall. So yeah, that's when the the we as the Blacks got into the rave game, or the Acid House game, and changed the name to Rave. Interested. That's very interesting. Now, here's what I'm going to ask this question, because I heard the little blue pill, E. The little yeah. Blue pill. Yeah, 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 yeah. That must have changed you to make you, because, you know, people understand what, what's involved with E. There's a thing called truth serum involved is it is it yeah yeah okay 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 yeah okay. yeah because it was mm -hmm. developed by the government mm -hmm. i don't know if it was the u.s government for world war ii but they were using something like that to bring out truth mm -hmm. got brought it like you know how they yeah 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 but it backfired exactly yeah, so backfired. the experience of you taking this e opens up your senses in many different ways of course so it did your it physical did, it listening did. your vision of how you're seeing everyone yes right that's right okay that's so right. you're seeing it from a different perspective now it's kind of like the colors and they say you take acid the colors look yep 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 because like i said i'd raid i raid consistently every weekend for one maybe a year and a half out partying didn't okay. do nothing but party party rave 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 because i was so intrigued by the music because all this music i was hearing it wasn't wasn't soul it was like now i found out it was chicago house house music detroit uh electro it was all coming from america it was nothing it was nothing was coming from I, the, even though it had the Bleary beat, but that was that came down later on. But the early, early house music, the acid house, all come from America. That's where it all stems from, right? And then one one afternoon, or when I got into it, and I started to realize, well, I want to be a DJ, DJ Static. I went to my local record shop in Harringay here, and uh, the guy called Chris Simon, owned by a guy called Nicky Power, and they were in the shop. And I said, this, I'm again every weekend, you know, guys. And I mean, this new music. Have you got it? Because they were soul boys at the time. Well, you got this. <laughs> the first, the first tune he put on was an acid house shit. But that's it. That's the tune. You know, and he kept, he kept on playing it. I said, that's the one I'm hearing in the clubs. That's the one I'm hearing. That's. I had a stack of records about that big, right? In, in, in the shop, about about four hundred pounds worth, and that's not heard of. I went, yeah, it is the four hundred pound. Bought the whole tune, went home, and started playing it. 
Right, and I had a little party in my own house. Because yeah, when you're on this drug, it's like the drugs don't come out of the system. It's like you're still on, you, you, even if you took it a weekend, it's still in your system. So we had a party in the house midweek. That's what I'm trying to tell people. This is what I'm trying to explain to people. It doesn't end on the weekend. It's like It doesn't weekend. end. It just doesn't end. It's like no. in the weekend, you keep it going. It doesn't end. It's like you just get your top up for the weekend. You just go and get your top up weekend, but you the whole week you're living that lifestyle. Phone you, calling. Yeah, you're doing your thing. That's right. That's right. That's I, I literally lived that lifestyle, partying every weekend, buying records, um, and that's how I got to know all the tunes. I knew all the records. I knew all the the the, 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 the labels where they will come from. I got. I still got the tunes to this day, and uh, that went on for about a year. That went on. That went on about a year. Me raving, and then so, one day I said, I could do this. I remember I came out doing house parties and blues dance. To me, this is easy. So I um, went to a friend of mine. Well, I went to a guy called Car. It's called not Car Cox. Like Cox Sound. It was in Kentish Town in in North London where we are. He, the disco man, had all the lights, had all the smoke machines, he had all the lasers and everything. But I didn't know he was there all these years. I never knew he was hiding in Kentish Town, that's what he done. And some guy introduced me to him. He goes, I know what you want. You need this, you need that, you need this. Oh, he's got everything. He's got, acid. he's got the smoke machine, he's got the strobe lights, he's got, he's got everything. I goes, yeah, man, I, I've been doing this for years. Some black guy he was, he's been doing his soul thing for years. So I found a warehouse and uh, man, that was it. I never, <laughs> I never turned back, got the warehouse, stripped out the warehouse, got some banners in there. And the reason why I was I done that because of a rave called Genesis and Sunset. There was a rave. These boys, like I said, they're older boys, are older. I mean, Sunset, Sunrise, and uh, Genesis. They were the first black guys putting on these acid house parties. I used to follow them. They're the ones I used to go raving with. Like the Dave used to be, Paul, when you're ready, I hope you when you're ready to put one on. So I learned a lot from Dave Roberts and 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 Wayne Anthony because they were the first boys putting on these big parties in in London. And two that went to the fields, they brought it to the field. They're the first posters to bring the raves to the fields. And before anybody, these were the these are these are the pioneers. And I was what I wow, what I was doing was just seeing them doing it. I can do it, and I was emulating them. And I teamed up with a guy called Phil Higgins. Uh, he runs a rave called 2000 AD, and uh, he's a white dude from Tottenham, funny enough. And I'm from Tottenham. Well, my family's from Tottenham, but I live in a place called Hornsey, just around the back, about two miles away from Tottenham. But people believe that I'm a Tottenhamite, but I weren't. I, I moved away. I didn't. I live with my grandparents, so we lived a little bit two miles away from Tottenham. So back. So I'm back. Sorry about that. Yeah. So so we 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 um. You know, set up our home, and that's how I got to know Phil Higgins, and uh, that's how we sort of done our own parties, and that's how we grew. Ah, so there's some footage of Paul Trouble playing around that time. That's right. Some famous footage I've seen. Is that the guys that were behind that whole big? Well, Tom, but Tom, um, uh, Paul Trouble Anderson used to work for me. We named him Trouble Paul Anderson because he, when we were doing all the house parties and I was using a reggae sound system back in the days, 
he used to come late sometimes. Sometimes he was only DJ playing that soul music. So I said, you're not about trouble. <laughs> and that name stuck with him ever since. <laughs> full, full trouble with Anderson, rest his soul. Because me and him, was, I, was, I was the only one putting on them parties for him in North London. It was me and him. It was me oh, and Paul. Because there's some of that famous footage I saw where it was a big open warehouse, like around yes. 87, 88, around that time. That's right. That's right. That's that's Paul Anderson. And then what happened after that? Because Paul Anderson was a dancer. He yes. wasn't. He was. He was a dancer. He wasn't. He wasn't no DJ then. I don't know him as a DJ. I know he was a dancer, and we used to roller skate. Me and him used to roller skate, and he was George's friend. So we used to go electric ballroom, go to roller skating in the eighties, and roller skate back from that back to our town. And that's how I got to know Paul Anderson. He, he's from Wood Green, from where I hang out. So I knew him like that. So when he became a DJ now and done all the house parties, next minute I see him on Sunrise doing big raves, he's done Sunrise, doing getting six hundred pound an hour. For one hour, wait, he played for Sunrise. I go, go so he then he was a super DJ back then. He became the first super DJ. Yes. Well, he became the first super DJ. Yeah. First super DJ would get 600 pounds an hour. That time was unheard of. Right. 50 pounds, 30 pounds, 30 pounds, but not 600 pounds. <laughs> when I first met him, I'll never forget this. Um, right. Hearing him play, I swore he played like an American. Yeah. He, all the American music. Yeah, 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 moves. yeah. He yeah. played dance. He, he yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Paul Anson was the man. He he was the man at the time. And Paul Anson was a good DJ, good dancer, and all the girls loved him. Yes, yes. All the yeah, girls loved look. him. Yeah, he had, he had, you know, he had the best looking girls on his arm all the time. And Paul was a very nice guy. I'm, I, I'm, you know, I'm proud to say I was his friend. You know, R.I.P. to Paul Anson because. We done a lot together, and a lot of people don't know this story. There's only a few people know this story that when it became the uh, the soul part, it was just me and him, me and him, and the old boy, this old reggae sound system guy had the sound old sound system, and he just come and set up and pull us to play, and I had to ram these houses, you know, all around North London, like, and a guy called Tony Palmer, R.I.P. to Tony Palmer, who used to be my doorman. He's a big guy. He's put him on the door, and here you go, and that's how I learned my trade. That's how people understand. I've been in this game. As a promoter, as, as you say, uh, from age of 14. So, me going into the soul pop parties, and then when the acids come along, it wasn't that, it wasn't hard for me to change. Proper, so I changed. proper grafter. You yeah, yeah, grafter. Yeah, 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 early age, yeah, early, my early age. Yeah, early grade, early grade. And right through, like right up to 89. And that's how, okay. so I'm doing all this fantastic, my red, well, I set up the red called Fantastic Ibiza. That's how it all came about. One night, what happened was, uh, I had a warehouse in Stoke Newington, and my first where my first uh, party, and uh, the sound system blew up. It just blew up. Boom! They went up. You know, about five hundred people there. It wasn't that big. It wasn't busy. It was five hundred for my first one, and you know, the app blew up. And we're all buzzing out of our, and we're buzzing, taking these ease, and we're all talking rubbish. And one guy come up to me, and goes, "Look, man." Why you just call it IB for Paul, man? Because at the end of the day, you can't use that name anymore. I said, you know, that's a good idea. Because at that time, everybody was flying out to IB for. Because <laughs> everybody yeah, go to IB for, go to IB for. That's what's happening. Go to IB for. So everyone was talking about IB for. I said, I want to call myself London, fantastic IB for London. Because now we could do that. We could emulate the. We can't see the island. <laughs> we're not there, we're here. So we just emulate what the island looks like. So I just addressed the building with sunflowers and emacle. Fantastic guy, Bifa. And I never turned back. And that went on for about one year. 
about a whole year down the road, part every weekend. I be for every weekend, every weekend, every weekend. And how that happened was Sounds. Tony, no, uh, 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 Genesis was yeah. down the road in Tottenham. And what was happening there, they got took over by gangsters. The gangsters, uh, right, okay. Let's, let's, wait, let's, wait, hang, on, hang on, hang on. Is this the firm? This is the firm. Okay, so explain which gangsters we're talking about. Are we talking East, yeah, right, East, right. East London? We talk who which gangsters is this? Which families? Uh, I I want I want I'm not gonna pinpoint any names. I'm not gonna call any names. No, because I'll tell you why. I asked Mr. C the same question. Right. Because he had the same problem with his situation. Yeah, they all did. Everybody did. The firm everybody did. Elections. <laughs> well, put it way, put it way. They, 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 they're from West Ham. I'm not gonna mention no name. No, they're from say West no Ham. name. No, they're no, I'm not gonna mention they're still about. They're still operating, they're still doing their thing. But they're from West they're from West they're from they're from they're part of the West Ham firm. <laughs> all right. That's yeah. what I'm gonna say to you, yeah. So 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 yeah. But for someone that's watching this that never lived this lifestyle, when you say West Ham firm comes to you, what exactly changes now for you? What 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 do you have to do to keep yourself going and keep your party going? And well, the, the key that you have to be you have to be. You see, I come from Tottenham. What happened was this, right? You had firms. Uh, even though I'm from Tottenham. Uh, I'm from the black community, but I was ha also hanging out with a guy called um, Phil Higgins, who's the ass. He's the Tottenham firm. He's part of the firm. He's the Tottenham. He's the Tottenham Heights, right? The, the white dude, but he's part of the football firm. So you sure. had him as part of the football firm. I was a well known in Tottenham as a black in the black community. So I'm well. I got a bit of bit of clout. We we joined forces. So me and him by joining forces, they kept we kept. They're at bay. They could. Oh, we can't up with them, North London boys, because he's from. He's part of the Jarrett family, and he's from. And he got um, uh, Phil from 2000 AD from the Tottenham from the Tottenham um, gang. So they didn't want to muck. They didn't really muck around with it. So we didn't have that problem. But anybody who else had that problem, yeah, the raid got shut down, and you know they kidnapped um, Wayne, who, who had genocide. They took his raid. They actually took his raid. And that's the next question I was going to ask you. Did, did they want their security involved in your place? Yes. Yeah, they wanted, what they did, they, what the word was, a bunch of kids running around in East London making 60 bags, and I was 60 grand, 80 grand a night. That's why that's a lot. Drink, and I'm like, there was no alcohol being sold right. back then. No alcohol. So just Ribena or water and the Smize. That was it. <laughs> that was it. And you're making 60 grand by selling water. Come on. <laughs> Come on. What's going on here? So that goes better than robbing a bank. So here's, 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 here's what they say. Yeah. We want in. We want in. So who are the boys running it? So Tony, Sun, Sunrise, the guy called Tony, a rich kid coming in East London. So you're not from around here, boy. So you're going to be the first one. You're not from around here. So he was the first one who got tackled. And then what he had to do, he had to join a firm. He joined Dave Roberts' firm from North London. That's how he said, well, I want a piece of it. If you want to join forces, then I want to do something. So he done the thing called Back to the Future. Right? So what I'm trying to say to you is they joined forces with Genesis and Sunrise. They all joined forces. So there's a little click of them now. So the, the, the gangsters couldn't really trouble them. They couldn't trouble them because it was a firm. But, they, they, but the firm 
I can explain. The phone got heavy on them a bit more. They were, well, they, they were squeezing the youth. They were kids. Remember, we're kids. These are bigger men. So they, they squeeze a bit more. And go, These are a bunch of kids, man. They squeeze and they are that tough. So they squeeze a bit more. So it made it made Tony and Dave Roberts move it to the to to the fields. That's where the so, raid went to so the fields. So if you're making 60,000, mm -hmm. and, and let's just round One it up. One night. Let's just say you make it sixty thousand. How much does the firm have to get to keep all of it? All of it. They take all of it. They take all of it. We're kids. Five acres now. We're kids. Wait a you minute. Know? Yeah, your kids. We don't care. Far as they can, far as they concern, we are kids, and you are making sixty grand, and you ain't no bad man or at that time. You ain't got no guns. You got nothing. You're just a bunch of kids with smiley faces, um, bright colored clothes. We don't care. We're taking the and all you're doing is drinking water. Go run to your mummy and cry. We're taking the sixty grand. They took it, and that's what was happening. Yeah, or yeah, or you get kidnapped. That's what that, that's another thing happened. Ah, oh, see, I want to hear about that. Okay, so go ahead. So you got yeah, people, the people, people they, look. They were getting kidnapped. Uh, again, go back to sunrise. Dave Robert's cousin got kidnapped. They kidnapped him and 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 they wanted a ransom. If you don't pay up, you have, there's no party. <laughs> so, so that's the pay up. That's the so pay up. Okay. Why do the parties then? Because, because there was they nothing else to do at that time. There was, the party was so good. There was nothing else to do. We can't, we can't make these gangs a little, little firm of gangs and spoil the fun. So, you know, it might be, you know, like I said, they've got Tony. They didn't get John. John's still running his party around the corner. He was all right. So we got the John party. You, the gangsters know you, but they don't know John. So we would go to John party. So that's what was happening. And okay, what, so what, how Tony and uh, Dave, well, Tony joined Dave Roberts. Dave Roberts said, look, move the whole operation into the fields. And that's why you got raised in the fields. Because they moved the whole operation because away the from is crunching on you guys, like yeah, the mafia yeah, yeah. is here in America. Yeah, 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 yeah. Crunching down, down on you for everything. That's right. You got. That's right. That's right. They weren't. And what happened was they, they, so what, they went. Pardon? They weren't partners with you. They took everything. 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 So I knew what was going on. So what I did because they were they they the the gangsters more were more onto. Uh, Wayne and Sunrise and Tony Cassia, they were more onto them. They weren't onto me. They didn't know me. So I had a little warehouse parked off. Go to, I will go. And what happened is, was the police got involved now. The police found out that uh, these parties were illegal because, all right, you get a warehouse. The police even didn't know, at the, the police at the time didn't know what was going on. So you can tell the police, you can tell the police anything as long as you've got paperwork. Oh, I've got paperwork. I own the building. There's my paper. There's my lease. There's my contract. And the person goes, okay, have a good time. And then you just drive off. That's what they have. That you just have, as long as you've got some form of paperwork, they didn't care what, if you have a big warehouse. Have a good time, boys. And then you just drive off. They didn't really care. It's only when they realized they were getting mugged. They were getting mugged up because they realized these paperwork were showing them were fake. <laughs> <laughs> so so when they found out these paperwork was fake, they were they were having none of it no more. They used to come. <laughs> they used to um, uh, what the words what they did. They, they realized that the gangsters were involved, so they would just shut down all the gangsters record. They think it's owned by gangsters, not by young kids. They feel like, oh, these gangsters are putting on these parties. So every time the party was put on in and Sunrise's name, they would shut it down. 
I knew that I knew that that, that was happening. So you have a thousand or two thousand kids turning up to this rave, and the police will shut it all down. Where are they going to go? There's two thousand kids in, in walking. And what are we going to do? So I will be there with a with a microphone. I know where the next part is. Follow me. Follow me. And the convoy cars will follow me to the next party. I don't know what they And I'll drive all to my party and pack up my warehouse. And I'll be going, yeah, and I'll have a party. It was so, that's how we started. That's how I grew. And I've done it again. And now everyone was following me for that weekend. Everywhere, everywhere I put a party on, my place was packed, packed solid, <laughs> packed solid. So we got and the then, history now of how this all yes. broke out. Yeah, and, and look. I'm gonna give you the breakdown. There was only yeah. three parties. There was only three, four parties around that time in London. You had Dave Roberts's party, that is Sunrise or Genesis. Then you have Rat Pack. Don't forget Robinson um, Allen, Rat Pack. He was he was doing parties as well. He he was the first. I'm gonna to have to say he was the first guy. I, a black was it? It's a black guy anyway. MC on the mic. At an acid party, never seen it in my life. I went to the acid party, he done it in a swimming pool in a place called Roseby Avenue down in uh, Islington. In a swimming pool, they emptied out the water, put the speakers around the side, <laughs> and we go down into the swimming pool itself and party and rave in the swimming pool. Like, old Derek, it was an old derelict swimming pool, and he was the first party, 19, the early 89. We're talking about early 88 going into early 89. That was the first one before I started doing my parties. So he was doing them first as well. But he was doing them around Shardby Avenue, Islington. I'm still from North London. I said, I'm going to do my party in North London. So, right. I, um, and I grew. He became my arrival, to be honest. <laughs> he, became my, he became a problem in the end. Because we're now growing in North London. Because what would happen is, I teamed up with a guy called, uh, like I said, Phil Higgins. And then he got nicked. He went to prison. He had a court case hanging over his head. And uh, he ended up, yeah, yeah, he's a he gangster, gangster, bad boy, the bad boy, what guy, the bad guy. So he had a case, court case hanging over his head. He goes, oh, poor man, you got to take over. I'm going to show what happened. I'm going to tell you what happened. What is big warehouse? A big warehouse in 1989, Goodsway, Kings Cross. The warehouse is too big. It's like, I don't know. I don't know. It could hold about 10,000 people. It was a big warehouse. We couldn't fill it. I said, we can't fill this warehouse. And we've got this warehouse. And we hire this warehouse from another gangster. <laughs> the, the gangs, I mean, these gangs own these places. So it was another gangster called R.I.P. to uh, Gilbert Winters. R.I.P. to Gilbert. Another guy called Gilbert Winters. He's passed away now. Well, we don't know where he is. We're missing. But anyway, he had the warehouse. He was another gangster. He goes, I like your street, young boys. Do your party. So, okay, no problem. But uh, Phil Higgins never told me that he had a court case hanging over his head. So when we done the party now, mm -hmm. He had to go court on a Monday. So he went court on a Monday, went down for nine months. So this part is all left in my hands. I go, what am I, gonna, what am I going to do? I can't run the door, the this, the that. So I had to make up my mind. I had to sort of, I had to make a uh, conscious decision. Do I DJ a DJ static or run these parties? <laughs> and I thought I made a conscious decision. I said, I better run these parties. And and I ended up running Fancy Guy Beef and Phil Higgins party and his brand as well. So I was running his brand and my brand at the same time in King's Cross. And I got to and I had to organize the security. I got organized the drinks. I got organized the rig. I got organized the warehouse. I got to see Phil Higgins. I got to feel Gilbert Whitney to pay him the, the pay me his rent. I had to do everything. 
I'm one man on my own. This is one man on my own. I had to learn all these things. But like I said earlier, because I'd done the soul parties, I didn't find it hard. I found it quite interesting and different from what I was doing earlier. But it was exactly the same thing because I was still seeing my same drinks, man. I was still going to see my father's drinks, man, bringing the drinks to his warehouse. Still, you know, I learned a lot. But that's how Fantastic Our People grew. And we then run North London. Where we, we was the only one running the North London warehouse parties at the time because the gangsters couldn't trouble us. Let me see, let me show that. I think I, I think this is right about the maybe it's well, I have some of your pictures. Yes. You, like, should, you should have a picture of me. Yeah, that's 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 jungle splash. You got a picture of me and my brother somewhere along the line. Uh me and Patrick and a guy called uh Trevor. Yeah, they're the early ones. Yeah, that's that's there. These are my these are the early acid now. This is fantastic guy people. These are my this is this guy here, the, the baseball hat. That's Darren Dean, them two from Essex. They're DJs. That's his girlfriend at the time, and that's his friend at the time as well. And that's me there. That's yeah, that's me. That's me raving. Well, I, I got it right. I, I got it right. Pre Ibiza Records. This is still you doing raving, partying. Yeah, that's me. My early I'm sweating. I'm raving hard. Me and my mate just raving. We're not putting on no fire. We're just raving. Okay, <laughs> so give raving. me an idea. Give me an idea where we're going. So the success is going, and you're making buku buku cash. That's right. That's right. That's right. And then okay. one, one, one. Right, the warehouse thing is running perfectly. And then one day, uh, I was in Tottenham in a warehouse in Tottenham. Um, police got raided. They got raided. So now the police are onto me. Now the police are onto me. Now. Then remember, I told you the police were onto the gangsters. Now they left the gangsters alone because they weren't doing no more parties. Now they saw this new young spring chicken, Paul Paul Ibifa. No, but I don't know how that name came about. But Paul, the you know, me Paul. Paul how that name came about. They call me Paul, and then what happened was they come to my house. The police. It goes. We know you're putting on them parties, Paul. <laughs> At the time, they knew, my, they knew my name, Chambers. They go, Chambers. We know you're putting on them parties. I said, you can't come to my house and tell me what I can do or what I can't do. It's like a cat and mouse. I had two lawyers outside my house. Right? Didn't know which one was full. <laughs> one was a dummy one, and one was all the gear. So, so they came to my house and said, I'm not putting on my parties. I said, I'm not, I'm going to put, I'm going to continue putting on my parties. You can't stop me from putting on my parties. So I just drive at the lorry. I know they're watching me. Drive my lorry, but it was the dummy lorry I used to drive. Just to drive my dummy lorry and bring him somewhere completely away from the way I'm going to do my party <laughs> and tell my boys. So that's a decoy. The decoy. It, it, it was a decoy. It was literally a decoy. And that went on for about a year. Okay. And then one day they must have caught me in a warehouse. And nicked me that night and go, Yoss, you know, you're nicked. Brought me to uh, Edmonton Police Station, had me in there for a couple of hours, and then they threw me out. All right? They actually threw us all out. Go, ah, oh, you kids, you don't know what you're talking about. We're just talking rubbish. They didn't understand the word we were saying because we, we, we had a bag of ease and we're in the cell. They never searched us. Going on and on and on and on. Go on. We had a party in the cell. We had a party. <laughs> party in the cell. And uh, having a party in the cell. Time for the interview. We're all out of it. Don't know what we're talking. They threw us out. They go, ah, get rid of them. They're a bunch of kids. They don't know what they're talking about. Throw us out the police station. And that today, I said to myself to the girls, right, I'm not doing no more parties. IB for Records going to launch. Huh? What are you talking about, IB for Records? I go, yeah, IB for Records going to launch. But they, at the time, I was like, out of my head, and the kids, the girls didn't know what I was talking about. So that Monday or that week, I went IB for. Went IB for. Went to IB for. And uh, pie again and broke my leg. 
<laughs> broke my leg. Yeah, broke yeah, my leg. Yeah, I talked about that. Yeah, yeah broke my leg in our beef. accident changes everything. Yeah, it changed everything because what happened is now, I came back from my beef in September. I went out there, uh, say, June, and didn't come back to September. They had me out there in September. I stayed right, no, it's two months. Came back in September with a broken leg, full cast, and lying down in the bed. I was right, time to go studio. I don't know how I'm going to do this. How am I going to go studio? I don't know what I'm doing. So I'm like, I'll come to a friend. Go, I've got a friend of mine who got a studio pool down in Edmonton. I said, no, bro, let's go around there. Can I go around there? He goes, no problem. Went around there. Yeah, I want to get in his house. Get everything in his house. Everything. Yeah, all the... I said, okay, you can have a studio in your house. Get everything. I said, little... might be little, but he had everything there. All like missing bobs and that. And um, I had all the records. But I bought, like I told I bought all the records. So we started sampling and nicking bits from there, the 4-4, nicking the 4-4 beats from there, and nicking that from over there, and sort of piecing up this record. Don't know what I was doing. I learned, I was just going by what this guy was showing me. And uh, we pieced up this record. I still got the record to this day, what I built. And uh, I couldn't write, done it. Where did I go with it? Where did I go with it? I don't know what to do with it. So I had to like, huh? Oh, what, how to process? Now I've got to learn how to process this. So I phoned this guy, I phoned this man, I phoned this guy, I phoned my dad, dad, dad. Where's when you cut your dubs and yo, oh, yo, oh. music house. Oh, what's music house? Oh, yeah, he's down at Fringer Park. Go and see him. He'll tell him that I sent you. Oh, okay. Went down to Fringer Park. I met a guy called Chris and he goes, yo, okay. He went, okay. Yeah, I'm moving offices right now. I'm not going to be here. I'm going to be in Holloway Road. So, you know, put me doing anything now. Let's go wait till I go to Holloway Road. So I have to wait till you get to Holloway Road. Set up. So he set up the thing on Holloway Road. And he goes, what's this? I go, acid music, man. I said to him, acid, man. I said, That's how I was. I said, yeah, acid, man. This is the new shit, man. This is the new stuff. He goes, mad music. He called it mad music at the time because it was mad music. So he cut the thing. Didn't argue. Cut the thing. Uh, no, it wasn't even him. It wasn't even him at first. It was JTS Keith. JTS, have you heard of uh, JTS? The, 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 the word sound and power, not word. Um, King Tub, they're calling uh, Jatubbies. You got a sound called Jatubbies. And it's a white dude, they call him Jesus. He had a cutting plant in, uh, in Broadway, Hackney. I went to him first and cut the dump. He never said nothing. He cut the thing. And all I saw is the old-time turntable. Oh, if it was old wheels, old-time lathe. Oh, if it was this old belt-driven lathe. And I said, what the hell is this? All antique stuff. And he goes, yeah, man. Yeah, you want to cut your dub? I cut my dub, my first dub. But he was very topsy. Very, very top-ending. I said, I don't really like the sound of this. So so I found out that music. How much did it cost you to cut that plate? Those lacquers? Uh, at that time, at the time when I cut my first leg, I think he charged me about twenty pounds. At the time, at the time, but now back then it went up to thirty pounds, thirty-five pounds in the end. But yeah, you know, it was twenty pounds when I first cut my first. When I first done my dub play, Doctor Lacker, my first dub play cost me twenty pounds. When we done the whole process, I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you something. I changed the game in that as well. When we done the process, the whole process, there was three things you got to buy: positive and negative. And then the, and the stamper itself. So it's free process. You got to get the negative, positive, and the stamper. I said to the big, I said to them guys, why do we need the pos? Oh, you need the pos for the, the. Well, why do we need the neg? Uh, so I just argue with them. I said, I don't need that. You charge me hundred pound for that. Hundred pound. That's four hundred pound before I even get started. So I just didn't ask for the neg, and then they just give me the pos and the stamper, and that's why I, I was happy with that. Went to the factory, a place called. Um, Oh, that's another story, the factory. <laughs> that's another story. Driving around my car looking for factories. Found a guy called Bubsy. 
a guy called Bubsy. He used to work for Jetstar, Mr. Palmer. You know, if it ever the jungle hits volume two, Jetstar operate. He used to be in the North Circle where we live. He had a factory. I went there, look, cut this dub, cut them. I must have pressed the record at the time with 60p. Okay. Yeah, he pressed, he pressed, pressed me up uh, my first my first hundred. And uh, a guy called Neil, a guy called Neil, uh, heard it, heard it around the studio. I heard, it, heard your first record, Paul, man. You want to do you want your own studio? I go, what do you want your own stuff? Because what we can get all that stuff for us all around so and so's house, yeah, man. No problem, come. And I had a broken leg at the time, so I, I said, Come around my house. So he came around my house, jumped in the BM with a broken leg with an automatic. So I drove with one leg, <laughs> right? Drove around the BMW with one leg, went to a place called Music Village down in uh, Barnet, never knew, didn't know what we was talking about. So we went, uh, you know, then then got the kit. So we drove all the way to a place in Charing Cross Road in the West End, a, a turnkeys, a big move. And I walked in there, and a guy called Paul, never getting blonde hair guy. He goes, I know what you guys want. I know what you're looking for. Came out with the Atari 950, a Spirit Death, a DAT machine. That time, that machine was a Casio DAT. That time, the Sony DAT was around then. It was just a little Casio, Casio DAT machine first right. come on the market. Yeah, so I bought a Casio DAT machine, my 950 sampler, my Spirit Death, my Atari. Um, what else did I get? What else did I get? Oh, yeah, and uh, I bought a reel-to-reel -reel thing because I want to like about the mic thing. I bought this reel-to-reel -reel thing. i never get it. Come to my house, and me and Neil, put it in there. I said, I don't have to put it together, Neil. Neil goes, no, do I? <laughs> I said, to him, I said how are you going to help me to make music if we don't know what we're doing? He goes, don't worry, I'll, I'll go out and find this guy. So he went away and came back with a guy called James. Um, he's the guy, a guy called Noise Factory. That's James, right? And he goes, I know how to do it. He used to work for Fat Man International Sounds. He used to work in their studio because I know what this is. It's all, it's all MIDI. Because well, what's MIDI? This, watch this. MIDI, put it all together. Boom, in second. And next we I hear, ding, tong, 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 ding, tong, tong, tong. The, the natural dome game. And go, that's it. And then that was it. I haven't turned back since. And that was 1989. And I put my first record, the proper, that, I mean, that the, the first record I, sh I told you about, I didn't really put it out because it was like my first record, just going through the process. When I first got my first tune, me and Jane put out 1989. What was, what was the name of the first tune? My first tune, I've got it here, I've still got a tune, it's called Let Go. My, my first tune, it's called Let Go with a 4-4, with a 4-4 beat, boom, 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 driving that 4-4. And uh, this one, I mean, right. Up to eight. What was happening in the studio? What was happening in the studio? We were making beats with the 4-4 and started hearing, you know, when you, I don't know, I don't know, you have to be a music man. When you start being in the studio and you start making beats and you start hearing things, you start hearing things, different things that you're hearing in your head, it goes to myself, this sound jungly, man. We just said it out, 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 you know, this sound jungly. I don't know why we said it. We just said it. But at the same time, when we said it, we looked down on the floor. And this story, I always tell everybody, when we said it, we looked down on the floor and what did we see? James Brown's Jungle Groove album, looking in our face. Okay. Looking straight in our face. And we're sampling that album. We're sampling it. Remember, we're sampling James Brown, the, the, the funky drumming. We like to take the breaks from it. And it's got Jungle Groove staring in our face. Look at that. We're calling it Jungle. Look at what's on the floor. And that's how Jungle came about. And people say, where did Jungle come from? That's how it came about. There's no, you can't call me. That's how it came about. So those Ber Bernard Purdy drums that you hear on the, the original Funky Drummer and stuff. You those drums 
Yes. And then what were you doing? Were you speeding them up? What was the process to get to that next you, step? You, you can you sound, you sound Dalek now all of a sudden. Hello, so, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you, but you sound Dalek. Just went all Dalek. Uh, how can I? Can you hear me? Clear? I can hear you, can hear you clear. Yeah, I can't hear you, though. You've got all dialic -y. Is everything... Let me ask. Is, do I sound okay out there? Let me know. Yeah, you can't... I can't hear a word you're saying. Uh, let's see no, what. Let me see what. Hang on. Let me check. Let me check my audio. I My audio hasn't changed. Yeah, you're still here. You've just gone, gone Dalek-y. Then I can stop that. I can't hear you. Oh, no. Yeah, you've gone... You sound funny. Uh oh. Uh, do I, I see? Yeah, my, I audio, my audio is good. People saying my audio is good out there, telling me my audio is my audio is okay. Yeah, your audio is okay, but I can't hear. My all of a sudden you just sound. Hang on, let me see. Let me see if I put. Yeah, you just sound like Dalek. Like digital Dalek? No, no, no the visual is fine. That's your voice. I the can't voice? hear what you're saying. Oh, this no. is when you're. Yeah, you've gone very Dalek-y now, like Dalek. I hate suddenly. Oh. You know what phones are like, technology. You might have to reboot this thing. Come back out. Go back out and come back in. Yeah, 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 yeah. Take it out. Yeah, take yeah, yeah. And I'll take a commercial break. I want yeah, to go, yeah. Try I that, try that. So I, I'm going to remove you and reset. So as we're talk, we're getting into the really good story, but I want to say this, though, as well. Um, let me just go back to this for a second. I wasn't expecting to do this right the second, but I will now. Um, everybody's telling me they can hear us. Thank you, uh, Shannon. Wait, uh, Terry Spavin. Okay. So a little shameless plug while we're waiting for Paul to come back. Faith Magazine, get your copy, the spring issue of the New York City Sounds. At these stores, Casa Magazines, Mulberry Iconic, Iconic Cafe, Magazine Cafe, Soho News, Head High Brooklyn, Rough Trade, Razor and Tape, Razor and Tape, and, and all selected record stores. You'll see The Journey of Sound. I'm in it as well this month, talking about my story from when I started back in New York in the 80s. Junior Vasquez and all that. Get the Faith Magazine undefected and defected. Thank you for doing what you do, getting behind all of us and keeping the underground sound alive. Let's see if we got Paul Abiza back. Oh, you yes, okay yes, now? Yeah, yeah, I'm back. You sound better now. Much better. Much okay, better. so something must have happened with the phone. So we did a yeah, little... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be mine as well. So everything back on track now. Okay. Okey So, So let's go back. So you got the guy... To come and set up the studio. You got the Atari at the S950, and it's funny. I had the same setup. We all did. Yeah, we all did. We all did that time, and it was good. It was fun. It was fun. It was the most affordable, and it was the most realistic, easy situation. Yeah, it was. 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 So me and James, and then we stumbled like like I said, the the Jane the Jungle thing. Stumbled on James Brown's album on the floor. That was my question. You couldn't hear me. So right. Bernard, Bernard Purdy was the was the drummer for Yeah, they're the funky drummers. The three of the two of them. We we're sampling the funky drummers, the two of them. We're sampling James Brown's jungle groove album, taking out the drum patterns, certain patterns from that album, because we've done a lot of sampling back then. So 
we saw, like I said, the James Brown compilation album, well, the, the Jungle Groove album on the floor. We picked it up. Yes, yeah, call it Jungle. And we never turned back ever since. Hang on. So let's get the technical end. You sampled it. That's right. How did you make it sound faster? Because by 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 uh, speeding up the brakes to get that new sound. Because that was the day tempo was at the time 120, 130, 130. We was pitching it to 140, 142, 145. We're going, we're notching it. We're not, and the more we kept notching it, the, the better the sound started to get. That's why it got to 150. And now the jungle tempo now, the real jungle tempo is between 65 and 60. And now you've got the DMB market now was 70, 75. Then, but the real jungle tempo is 60 to 65. So That's the real jungle tempo. What's the first jungle record officially that comes out? First one. Well, on Ibiza? We, I said the first jungle, the first jungle tune that came out on Ibiza was set me free really um by james that, that was that was i mean we did that was the break set me free it's in mixed mag it's in most mags that was the early pioneer sound of the jungle that's where people was learning their their skills from from the ib for because we used to call it jungle back then paul was anybody else outside of your crew doing the same thing at the same time musically uh who was doing it who was do i will say when I when I was had my label, I'm gonna have to put it like this. When I had the label, there's only a few labels were making dance music, but I wouldn't say with the jungle music. No, I no, say no, I would no, say no. I would say people like uh, uh, R.I.P. Real to Real. Uh, he had a uh, he's he's from he's Real to Real is Forest Gate is Randall's people and uh, the underground the underground they were they were on it too. Them man that that little corner there from Forest Gate, the Randall and them lot they're on it. And um, then you got. Then you've got Production House in Kilburn. They are on it as well. There's a few, and even, even down to Reinforce, even though they've they done they done Tom and Jerry. Low, the early Pioneer labels, that's Ibiza, and who would I say back then? No, no, I can't remember any more labels. Okay. That. okay, so now let me ask the question about the nightclubbing scene. So you got the acid house thing still going on. That's right. And you're kind of the king of the game. In that time, in that particular year, because I'm bringing this new sound in, just mixing it up with happy that's, hardcore. That's the question I'm going to ask. You're the first to do that to bring in this new sound of that's right jungle. That's right. That's right. Because when I first done, no one knew what I was talking about. So right. what happened was what because I came from the rave scene. Because I came from the rave scene, um, from doing acid house parties, I knew that we need to build a scene for the jungle scene to make the jungle scene work the same way as the acid house did work or the soul parties did work. I understood that because I'd done a lot of house parties then. So I knew, I like for argument's sake, um, every scene has have every scene has its has. Music has to, you've got to feed it with something. You've got to feed it with music, like reggae music, you've got to feed it with dance music. You've got to feed the, the scene with something. So I knew that I had to build a platform. I had to build a, a do a, um, a rave called Jungle, a jungle rave to make people understand what I'm, what I'm, what I'm trying to achieve. And I knew that I had to do it. It's like an exhibition. I knew I had to do a jungle rave. So I'd done one in 19, a bit earlier of its, in its time, Jungle Techno Rave down at, um, Turkey set, stop Newton. 
Okay. That's what I've done the first part. With, with DJ Ron, Mad P, Mickey Finn, quite a few D. You got the fly. You got you actually got the fly there with the with the with the king of the jungle with the lion on top of the thing. But that's not that one. Not that one. You got another one. That that one. That one there. Right there. That one there. That that there. That one is ninety three. But the other one I've done before that was ninety two. Right. And that that's yeah. It. See, this is it. This is this is the jungle techno. This is like the rocket all the way around. But this is the, that's the that's the same fly in ninety three. I was the only one doing these things. This jungle techno. I want you to clarify that. I want that clarified. You were the yeah. Only I was the only one doing. There was no one doing these parties. No jungle techno raves. No one was doing them back then. Yeah, I was doing all this. These fantasy Ibiza is my old record. This is nineteen eighty nine. So you remember, this is ninety. This is old. Like this is the that's fantasy Ibiza. I won't do that anymore. I started doing jungle raves. I changed the name from Ibiza to I kept the name Ibiza. I kept it going with techno and jungle techno. I kept the whole thing going. And this is my early raves of '89 when I moved into right. into the '90s. I like, know and understand because again, this story has to be clear and concise mm -hmm. at the timing because this music, of course, we get later, Goldie. You get all these they came after Goldie came afterwards. Goldie came, Goldie came in 1995. Right. This is what I'm trying to explain to a lot of people. Jungle was built in 91 or in the, in the 90s. It wasn't a 94 era. What happened is it was a build up to 94. It, it blew up in 94. But people do under people don't understand that I was doing jungle rays from the 90s, 90s, right. 91, 92. I was pumping the music with it. I was the only one doing it at the time at the Rocket Holloway Road. So I was the only one doing it at the time. So I knew, and then I and then I changed the name from Ibiza because I knew something was something was cooking. I knew this whole thing was cooking. The the sales of the record were were, were selling really fast. How I knew big? something was happening. How big, was, yeah. how big were you selling? How many units were you selling of this? New I was system? selling. I was selling so much units. I was selling like ten thousand units within within one week. So I have a van. I I I was so independent by myself. I didn't I had no distribution. You ran around with a van, right? Yeah, the band, me and my van, 10,000. Sometimes I put 3,000 and the band broke down. There was so much weight of the van. I had 30,000 records one night in the van from the factory and it broke down. The clutch went. And the van was leaning to one side that. 30,000 records is heavy. Where well, I'm going to move them? <laughs> I piled them, them all in my BMW and went home with them. The car was scraping on the floor all the way to my house. About five, six. <laughs> I couldn't leave the van there with all that record. I just couldn't do it. It's too much money. And yeah, so from 91, from the 90s to 94, yes, I was the kingpin running at that time. I was doing jungle. Not, not before Goldie came. Goldie came afterwards. Yeah, yeah. You also provided me with a video. I want to show everybody back then yeah. speaking about this. I want. He gave us a really cool clip. Check this out, everybody. Level. No one would really look at the British culture and say, okay, Britain's got his own identification. But, you know, people ignore that and just use it as a dumping ground. Belgium had a lot of influence in the music industry in Britain, um, saying that they were running for two years, just pumping out their stuff into Britain. And being a Londoner, I said, I'm so had enough of that sort of sound, the wrong direction, bringing us all in somewhere we don't know where we're going. So that's when Ibiza sort of came about. But it, it never actually happened like... It wasn't know, like all of a sudden it was a jungle club. together and like all of a sudden there was a thousand jungle records made. It didn't happen like that. It just crept in. And I think the way that it crept in was through Ibiza records, uh, reinforced records. To me, they were the two main people that was creeping at Paul. Definitely, I beef for records was the first yeah, person that started creeping in. Uh, 
reggae influence sounds and it worked and, and and the reason being that a lot of people by having a reggae sample doesn't mean it's jungle that's like that's not what i was trying to think i'm just bringing my culture into it by bringing the bass lines uh like hip-hop breaks we're using hip-hop breaks um and very other things from different the things i grew up with soul music like bringing the pro groove so I don't. I don't want people to understand because it's got a rugger sample in it. It's jungle. No, that's not. That's not the case. That's not the case. It was a. It was a very other things what made the word jungle was you know just a, a rugger sample. So I want to get that clear to people out there. That, so when you hear rugger sound, don't believe. What was happening is, I knew that the 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 inner we call it inner city inner cities and the M twenty five M twenty five is the where the urban white kids come from. Inner city is where all the blacks come from. So we knew that the inner, the, the urban kids around the M25 never heard reggae music in their life, never heard these samples, never. So I knew it was working. I knew by putting a rugger sample on there, I just knew it would sell the, it sells more records. Took the rugger sample off the records and it didn't sell. So I knew what was going on. So I understood what was going on. And people, you know, didn't know, well, Paul, why are you putting rugger samples in? Why? Yeah, because I knew it was selling. <laughs> I just knew it was selling. So that gave it the positioning to start seeing the MC. Right. Well, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you, I'm going to, I'm going to, because you're making me think about all this as a, as, as, as a DJ, because I experienced being around all of it because I was coming in to DJ myself in the house. Room. Right. So right, I saw right. all that. I would see the selectors screaming and, you know, yeah. so. Well, I mean, we brought that into the game. I mean, remember, like I said, I, uh, I saw Rat Pack done it. And uh, when we started it, my brother Mad P picked up the mic. I'd done a bit of things. They sampled me a few times. And I mean, so we brought the, our culture into the rave game. I mean, we were like, we we're black and these are like, the dominated white white kids, but they've never seen the MCs before. They've never seen man on a mic before, MC over a tune. They've never, it's all new to it. Everything was new. You understand, this is 1988, 88, 88, 89, going into nine. All these white kids, they've never seen an MC in their life. <laughs> they've oh. never seen one so it was like fascinating for them like oh, wow look at that man look what he's saying wow and it and it inspired other mcs inspired the, the early mcs like the chalky whites of the world mc mc hardcore these are the early mcs these are the early black uh, mcs the early ones and my p my brother and still going to this day and i used to mc it, but i stopped because of the the the, the I used to MC and I've stopped MCing because that's where they got jungle. Where you think they got jungle techno from? They sampled my voice. One night I was in my house. I went um, working with my brother, Top Buzz. He got me a gig down in Fantasia, uh, Exeter. Very far place. We were talking about it last time, me and my wife. We are talking about it. Down in Exeter. It's very, very far. The foot of, they call it the foot of England. Because if you look at the map of England, you've got this foot bit. They call it the foot of England. That's how far we have to drive. That's how far it was. A play called Exeter. Anyway, I done the PA down there. Someone got older the tape pack because back then it was just, they just taped the, the, the record the sessions. Someone got some of the tape, but when I was on there going, um, uh, jungle, hardcore, hardcore, jungleism, jungleism, hardcore, hardcore, jungleism, and a beat. And all these kids were watching me. What, what's this black guy saying on the mic, man? Jungle is hardcore. What's that? They sampled and built a tune from it. Oh, yeah. okay. And going back to reinforce, going back to what Mickey Finn reinforced, I'm in my house, in my bed, in my house. And that time, I, I, I sit with the telly on. And I could hear this compilation album. I could hear my voice coming through the telly. I thought I was dreaming. You know when you hear your own voice? Hardcore, hardcore, jungleism, jungleism. And it's coming through the telly in, in the morning. I thought, 
Oh, am I dreaming? And I keep seeing it. And then suddenly, it was they were advertising a compilation album. And my track was on the album. So I thought, okay, right. Who sampled my vocal and didn't pay me no money? So when I found that who owned it, it was Reinforced Records. But I didn't really, I know Ian. I knew Ian from Reinforced, who was distributed at the time. I want some money, Ian. You owe me some money. Yo, oh, was it me, man? We just licensed the track. We just licensed the track for the guys. So, yeah, I've, I've been sampled lo loads of times. Loads of times. Loads of times. Because everybody wanted that word. They my brother being sampled. Because when you hear your voice, it reminds me, your voice reminds me of Jazzy B's voice. Some yes. Similar. That's yeah, 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 it would be. But, but Jazzy yes. B's down top of me. Fringy Park. He lived down, that, down the road. It's got that distinct... It, it would be. It would be. We all lived on the same corner. Jazzy B's... Jazzy B, soul to soul, used to come to me for, remember, I'm the kingpin of the house pies. And he wanted to run in my house. Pull, pull, sort me out, sort me out, sort me out, sort me out. And that's how, that's how, that's how I said, yeah, you're next on the bill, soul to soul. You're next. But I didn't get around to him. I didn't get around to him. And then he set up a thing called in the African Centre. So, he, you know, he did his own thing. Yeah, but we're from the same ends. We grew up together. I spoke probably have the same sort of tone. On the voice, yeah, you hear it, you can hear it like you could tell from the same hood. Everybody's, yeah, yeah, definitely, down. definitely from the same, hood. yeah, fringe and apart. So so as soon as you're saying certain words, you hear, and yeah. I remember hearing those on records, I can hear your voice, yeah, 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 definitely. Me and my brother we sampled a lot, we've been sampled because it was we're the early pioneers of the, the jungle, so the people didn't know where they had the word jungle, where we're gonna get okay. you know, where to find these things, and uh, what we did in there, we put just to, just to make people know that we're the early pioneer, we built a tune personally. 90B, you know, it's, it's 1991 Jungle Techno. So you built a tune. That 99. So let's just show people that I'll make you know that you find me a record out there, any one of you, and I don't care who you are, what you are, get me a record out there, 91 saying Jungle on your product. Please, please find me that. Please, someone. Okay. Yes, <laughs> please, please radio it. Get us to it. But here's where, the, this is where, Something beautiful that you create. You know how the big companies are. They they start to realize you're making too much of a dent. Like the way the firms came to you. Yeah, 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 yeah. When yeah, does yeah. the knocking come from the big company? What happened? What happened? That came in '94. They didn't come in because there was a, there was a time when all right, leading up to '94, I had to put myself in the position because what was happening? I jumped back at the time. There's two things running here. People don't understand what was happening in my world. Two things running here. You had the Jungle Splash rave itself, the contents, the rave, the party, the putting on the planes. Uh, I had to put camouflage nests. I had to put, I had to, I had to give an ide identity. You had no identity because going to about what I was saying in my, in my old interview, I'm British. I wanted my own identity. We never had one. You had the hip hop identity. You had the American, Jamaican identity. But Britain and the whole never had an identity. And I, I'm a great believer in that. We never had our own identity. By having jungle, this new music, even though the first lot of music was from America, it wasn't British. So all them first uh, house music, um, rave music, as you call it, was all from Chicago and Detroit and Electro. It never came from here. So we had no control over that. It's only in the 90s when the British people like myself and a few other boys decided to do our own label. Right. Set up our own thing. Let's do our own thing. Let's not worry about who Tom Dick and I. Let's do our own thing. And we did. With a DIY business. We've done our own thing. And but that's going on four or five years before all Yeah, that's started. right. Four or five years in. 
what was happening is they start the I said the major start coming in. They start yes. slowly coming in. And so I had to position myself in a way that I didn't get left out. So I opened up a record shop in Kingston High Road in Dalston. A record actually a record shop selling vinyl. I'd I be for records, but I, I positioned myself in that way. And I run my jungle scratch operation from that shop upstairs in the office. So everything that I beef was is out in the front. So Mr. Palmer, all right, Mr. Palmer, Jetstar, I done the first volume, Jungle One, Volume One, and I done all the. I'm the one who sat down there. I kept on talking to him, Mr. Palmer. Get your checkbook out. Get your checkbook out. Get your checkbook. Ah, oh, I'm not. I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure. And then one day he went, God, I believe in it, and he believed in it, and put his money behind it. And that, and that jungle hit volume one, went straight to number one. And they stood there for ooh, how many weeks? And that made the other big boys come along, like Telstar. Uh, Telstar come along. Avex coming off in Japan. They come along. Loads. And now we all got signed up. I got signed up to Avex, made compilation albums after albums. Five years, I sat back and made albums after albums after albums. So I was all right. Money, the money was good. So I just sat back. So, yeah, I visited myself in 94 because I see... Certain things happening wasn't right. So I knew if I don't get myself in the position, I could see this whole thing. Because remember, it was jungle techno. Now, the whole thing, all of a sudden, it changed from jungle techno to just word jungle on its own. They took out the techno and that it was just jungle. So you got to understand it changed. It changed in 93. It changed around the 93 to 94. That's when the, that word, it changed around then because jungle fever came along. Jungle Fever came along in Jungle Fever, Cool FM. They came along on in 93 and called it Jungle Fever. And the word jungle just stood. And the jungle techno went, went a different direction, went north. And, you know, it's a different sound. Jungle techno and jungle, two different sounds. And people don't know that. Okay, so I'm glad you actually clarified that. That needs to be clarified. This It's two different sounds. Yeah, 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 two different sounds. So, you know, like I said, it's, it's the same, but slightly different because Jungle Techno's got more technical sounds. It's got more... Um, it, take, it takes a lot of sample from old films and things like that. It had a different techno-y, sound-y, breaks were like the way it was. And, uh, but Jungle come along, it took away all that technical sound. It was more of a British sound. It had a different culture. It, had a different, it was driven different, slightly different, slightly different. It was slightly different. It was more black, to be honest, Jungle. Got it. Yeah, it was more black. It was definitely, definitely more black. Definitely more black. So and I see that myself. That's why I say, right, I better do Jungle Splash. That's why I've done Jungle Splash. But I've done it in 94. They give the kids the platform. And I'm going to show you something else as well. What I did as a Pomoa, I never followed the trend, uh, the, the raving trend. I come from that raving trend. I said to myself, I come from that raving trend. I want to get the next generation. I don't want that raving trend because they were slightly older. They were, they were, in a, they were like in the 25s. In the 30, they were slightly older, that raving trend. And I come from that. And I wanted a new crowd. I wanted a new, I didn't want the Jungle Fever's crowd. I wanted a complete new crowd. So what I did, there was a local guy in my area who had a sound system. And uh, I forgot the name of the sound, but he seen had all the kids. He had all the He had all the, again, he was following what I was doing. He, he was doing house parties like I was doing. But he had all the kids, man. It was a house party. It was jammed. The streets were like, please. I said, big man. I said, big man, you want to work with me? He goes, what do you mean? I said, like, I'm doing do big warehouse. I want you to work with me. I want one of them kids. Oh, no problem, Paul. No problem. So when I went to the, when I went to the rocket, when I went, not so much, to, yeah, when I went to the rocket all the way road, I put him in the second room and I had the main room and I advertised all the, all, and my family, 
uh, needs to run all the pirate radio stations, i.e. make rigs, make all the rigs for the pirate radio stations. So my family, we run a pirate radio called Reggae FM. So my uncle needs to make all the rigs for them. So I said to my uncle, you know all the stations, don't you? Because you make all the rigs. Yeah, can you run this ad for me? Well, no problem. So we put it on Power Jam in South London, put it on the Reggae FM. We put it all on the black radio stations. Okay. And then, yeah, that's what I did. That's what I did. That I want, and I made it black. I made it, even when I done my advert, I used June Dane and made it black. I had black advert. It was really black. And it was all news, all new for the kids. When I done the rocket, when I done the rave at the Rocket Oliver Rose, uh, 2,000 blacks turned up. 2,000, they turned up. They created that new dance. It was them what created that new dance. That skanking dance, what we see today, it was them. It wasn't me. We didn't do this. These kids came with this. I saw it all. I saw everything. When the music came and, and they come, they would look like, oh, this is wicked. And they started dancing and they brought the new dance to the game. This whole new skanking, dancing vibes. It was the next gen of Black Net generation. So when people like Five-O, like Navigator, Moose, who else? And a few other men who were, wasn't my my DJs at the time. They were more Jungle Fever, uh, working with David Storm. They weren't my, they were called, they were, at the time they were called the A-Team. When I brought eight team into the into the into on my side, they saw a complete different crowd. Said, Paul, where do you get this crowd from? That's right. This is a ghetto crowd. This is a completely different crowd than what you're getting. This is a ghetto crowd, and then um, this is my crowd, and it's from North London. And I never turned back. Never turned back. Never. So I actually bought. What I'm trying to say to you is, I bought the Ray game to the ghetto. I said, my people need to hear this. My people need to see this. My people need to feel this. And I brought it to the ghetto. That's what I did. I brought it to the ghetto and brought the ghetto out. But it's, some guy come to me, and I don't want to mention no names, he goes, why am I showing the ghetto all this? I goes, why not? Why not? You have you you bleed me dry. You've got all my brain. You've mixed all my ideas. Now you're telling me I can't show the ghetto what's going on. No, I'm going to show them. Why not? And I did. Yeah, why the hell not? Yeah, some guy told me, he told me not to. No, don't show them. Don't show them how it is because they wanted to keep the ghetto out of it. Was, he, was he was he a white dude or black dude? Yeah, white dude, white dude, white dude, white dude. What He's a white dude. He goes, to white. but I knew him anyway. I don't know why he said it, but he said it to me. And I had to say, I said, no, I'm going to show him. I'm going to show him. He's no point. It's like, yeah, it's all well and doing. Um, um, I don't mind doing pride. I don't care who comes to the door. Be honest, white, black. I don't really care. It doesn't bother me about that. But at the time. Where I came from at the time, I said, no, nah, blacks should know about these new hashtag parties. They should know about these things. And because of them, why record companies took notice? So they thought all the blacks are going there. Yeah, that's, and that's, they thought that's why Jetstar never took notice of this thing. And then uh, 95, the, the Goldie, everything coming, the John Bates coming along, and the jungle. But it didn't die, the politics. It didn't die, politics. Jungle never died. Yeah, just jungle never died. What happened was politics within the within the jungle scene. With Jenny Levy coming off with that saying that he's the king of the jungle and this and that. So loads of I think someone came in with loads of money and pulled it apart. Pulled it apart. They didn't want us to be together because we're too strong. They came with their money and pulled it apart. So this guy ran over there, he ran over there, and they're bad mouthing this guy, they're bad, and it just became really, really messy. And then what happened? The the DMB grew up, grew. Goldie grew on the side and bang, the next minute, jumping drum, drum bases here. <laughs> and then Jungle died. But, well, it never died, it just went underground. It just it just evolved into a metamorphosized to drum and bass. And yeah, 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 yeah. He never died, he never died. Jungle's not dead. I'm telling you now, Jungle never died because I'm still here. 
It won't dunk. I'm still breathing. I'm still, still, I, I, what I've done to keep Jungle alive, the, the, the show, the next generation, I've done three parties. I was running three parties for five years, six years, running three parties, just to show them how the jungle scene was back in the den. And it, it grew, it, just, it got big. Uh, every month I was doing 3,000 kids down at Fire and Light Box for a whole five, six years. Running these three parties. So, there you go. Still here. And Still not here. going anywhere. And not going no, anywhere. no, 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 never will. Never will. I love jungle too, man. I've got, I've got things going on in the pipeline. I had this I'm not going to say much because I've got loads of things in the pipeline. Coming is the new jungle that I'm in the studio with the boys working with Top Eye, explaining them how jungle was back then. And I've got an idea in my head how the jungle should be in 2023. Let's bring it back a little bit. This is what mm -hmm. he wants you to see. He wants you to experience this. The yeah, they're, 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 oh, yeah, they're, I agree with that's, the real, that's the realness he's talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. The old school. Yeah, that's 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 the thing. That's the that's so I that, that say... party. That third party is James when he done his own label. After a while, me and James split, and then James up a label called Third Party, and that's James' label. That's why he's got Third Party on then IB. he learned everything from me. So he said, "Look, you." I said to him, "I never stop being creative." I said, "Look, if you want to have your own label, James, I've got no problem with that. Go ahead." And he's done his own label. And then I have to bring in Potential Bad Boy. This is when I found Chris. I found Chris, Potential Bad Boy, at George's house. <laughs> Funny enough. George, the same guy I told you about, George, earlier. RIP to George. Yeah, I found him at his office. And then George said to me, Paul, he's got the moves of that. What happened was, uh, I don't know what happened, but he had two disc, blue discs in his hand. Yeah, like when I met Chris, Chris, Potential Bad Boy. He had two floppy discs in his hand. And George turned around and said to me, um, uh, he turned around and said to me, I don't know this sort of music. Paul, you know, the, I don't understand this music that we, what you're making. This is George talking to me now. You know? this, is the soul, this is the big soul man that I had to look up to. He now turned around and said, I don't understand that music you're, you're doing. Bro. I can it, understand him saying that because I felt the same thing when I heard it. Yeah, you yeah. You felt the same yeah. background George did, hearing it. Yeah, that's like, right. That's right. That's said, right. That's I know the James Brown. I could tell the drums from the James Brown. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's, 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 that's what George said to me. He said, Paul, I don't understand that music that you're making. So, yeah. And I saw the kid had um, potentially had two floppy disks. I recognized the floppy disk. One for must have been for the sampler and must have been for the thing. So, Atari, come, come, come. So, can you make beats? He said, yeah, yeah. And then I go, go in the studio. And he went in the studio then and I told him the formula. There was a formula. I said, tell him the truth, right? Uh, when he went in the studio, I never told him the formula, the jungle formula, because there was a formula. But when you've been around, there is a formula to make jungle. So when he went in the studio, I never told him. I said, let's put something together. I don't care what it is. I just want to see if you can operate the equipment in my studio before I let you, you know, make you touch anything else. So I, well, he, he came up with some beat. I said, that's all right, fine. I, I'm not, it's not what I want, but it's fine. You can make records. Now I'm going to tell you the formula. This is what jungle formula is. And I explained to him the jungle formula, and this is what I want from you. And he came out with greetings number nine under my supervision. And that is where jungle came from. And he and what Chris done now, as I love Chris, he just what he does, working with me, understand what I wanted, and then he started coming up with ideas of his own. And that's why I came up with the limited E records. The limited E. I give that to him. That's just your baby. Because he started making tunes that I couldn't get my head round. Right. But he was now going forward. He got into the jungle. He started to understand what was going on. And then I gave him the, the limited E. Uh, and that's why limited E was his little label. I said, anything I don't understand, I put it on that. And then if I beef, I know that I beef for sound, 
but the e-label was a bit different so i didn't put anything on that and if i didn't understand the music i'd put it funny enough I'm and, funny this enough. George Powell, and this was george powell right no this is this is this is this is potential bad boy okay the reason why i brought him up again is if i remember correctly and maybe i'm wrong and maybe you could correct me on this a young producer named grant nelson yeah that, that that was nice and ripe that's just, right i'm gonna tell you about that what See, happened I was, remember, yeah, I know I no what happened now was this george now the soul thing's dead now. George, the soul thing, he's dead. The oh, radio station, the radio station's gone. He sold this radio station to Gordon Matt. He got angry when he found out Gordon Matt sold it to Kiss FM. He was so angry in his little world. Oh, I got nothing. I got no. So he had a little kid around hanging, hanging around it called Kid Andy. Run a label called Boogie Times. Oh, no, Boogie Beat. Sorry, not Boogie Times. Run a label called Boogie Times. Right? No, Boogie Beat. Yeah, Boogie Times. Now, he showed him how the record business went. Because George didn't know how he was cutting the records. George didn't know about the labels. George didn't know about no vinyls. George didn't know nothing. So I was like, what? What? He said, how you not done it? So he waited till the garage scene came along. That's why George, George just waited by, by his time. Jungle scene was running. When the jungle died, the jungle died. Then the DMB sprang up. And also the garage sprang up. At the yeah. same time as DMB, so it was all the ex junglers who couldn't make jungle, didn't get a look in, came up with the, the speed garage. Because right. I was there, I started the speed garage as well. I was there with a guy called, I was me. It was a guy called Robert, Robert Julio, Julio and Robert they used to run a uh, a pirate radio called Freaking You. They used to do this rave in 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 Manor House called uh, uh, Rave in the Manor. I used to go there and used to see this underground scene. I've always liked to go place early to see it was growing. I see this little thing growing. They weren't making no garage then. They were speeding it. They were getting normal garage tunes, house garage tunes from New York, and pitching it, speeding it up to get that to get that fast sound how Jungle was made. Because they knew about how Jungle was made. So they were pitching everything up. So all house music from your, from New York, just pitching it, just pitching it. And it was working. All the kids, yeah, okay, yeah, this garage, we have yeah, this new garage. And then what happened was the MP3 come along. So that's what they're making in New York. So everybody started buying the MP3s. And boom, everybody started making this new sound of garage. Boom. Everybody's making garage. And that's when the scene started. So what I did, because I knew what was happening, I made sure in 19, it was 90, it was over 1995 going into 1996, New Year's. I made sure I got a venue. New Year's, I got a Rocket Holloway Road. I booked it for New Year's Eve and done the, the first garage rave in there on a big scale. Bang before Sun City, and boom, there we go. And then Garage was born. And next minute, George is in his office, caught it at the early stage. Because, right, I'm not making this boat miss me because he has no money now. He's broke. So, what he did got Grant Nelson. I don't know how he found Grant Nelson, but it's through Boogie, it's through Kid Andy, and locked him in the, st <laughs> locked him in the studio <laughs> and locked, locked the key and boat and just fed the guy. And the, the guy was just pumping out tunes after 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 tunes. And George started talking to me, started talking, start, weren't talking to none of us. He started talking to Next minute, we see him down at the label place, cutting his own, then he's talking to the, a guy called, um, oh, good, 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 good. I've got his name now. 
He's di- he died now. Old boy. He used to run all the labels. He used to, Brian, his name was Brian. He used to do all the labels. And I see Jules talking to him quietly. Him and him was doing business now. Jules don't want to talk to us. Now he knows the game. Jules knows the game. He don't need to talk to me. He don't need to talk to Kid Andy. I could do it myself. Now he's pressing out his own vinyl. And he was just rinsing. He bought a new house, bought, bought his kids to private school. Jules, been, Jules didn't talk to no one. <laughs> George didn't talk to no one. And to the garage scene died and Gart Nelson realised George was rinsing him and he left him. But yeah, that's how that's how George got into the music business as a whole because he was on his face. So on that note, you gave us a tremendous, tremendous amount of history. and clear- Of course. It's, all, it's, all, it's, it's a London history. It's, yeah. a, it's a London oh, history. You know what, mate? It needed to be told. Yeah, it's London history. It's like, like I said, it's, I mean, don't forget, Jungle did come from house. It's house, we was making house music. Don't let them fool, it came, but we learned all our trade from the house music. All the samples, you know, the early Jungle, which was all house music, we were sampling, all the vocals, all Jack C, this, that, New Jack, this, whatever. It all came from Zoot right? And we just copied what they did and just put, all we done put our breaks to it and done a bit of reggae bass lines and here you go. Got a new, new sound. You're sound. not stopping anytime soon, you said. No. No, I'm not. I'm not. No, no way. No way. No, I'm working hard. I'm working. I've got some new bits coming up next year. I'm, I'm on a cool FM now, Pirate Rage. They brought me in now. I can talk my history. I can play my records now. They made me do what I want to do. And uh, I'm not going to stop for now. I mean, my I'm going to write my book as well. I'll get my story to be told. So I've got, my journey ain't finished. So hopefully, you know, it continues. God willing. More chapters. I said, willing. I said, I said willing, not God willing. Jar willing. So my, yeah, Jar. That's the part. Yeah. Thank you, Mr. Paul, man. That's no, no, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hopefully, hopefully I enlighten you. You know, hopefully everything you hear is is the truth. And uh no, you heard you it from the Here's the thing I say about it. Um you were there. That's right. So the thing is, maybe somebody may question the validity, but you can't question the person that was there. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and I'm funny enough you say that. I I kept a lot of people catch people out a lot by by what you just said because you wasn't there and I know you wasn't there because you're, what your story you're telling you you didn't it was the wrong story. This is how the rave scene started in England, London. It was two guys first, and they went three guys, and they went four guys, and they went nationwide. Right. Argument done. That's it. And now we're one, arguments done. We're done and give Mr. Paul Aviso a big clap for no, no, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. We'll see you all next week, and and we're gonna wish Mr. Aviso himself 34, 50, 100 more years of yeah, thank you. More life, I just say more life, more life, more life, mate, more life, and stay wicked and stay strong and stay. You know what? Remember, if you're not healthy, you can't you can't push the machine. That's right, stay healthy. So be high coach strong. Thank Good you. Good night, everyone. Thank you again for tuning in at your house. And next week we got more coming. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank everyone, you. Hang with me, Mr. Mr. Paul. And Avina Zen Gutenang and ciao. Ciao. Yeah.